listening to the Testudo Times Podcast, the official podcast of SB Nation's Maryland Terrapins Colossus. And welcome to episode 51 of the Testudo Times Podcast, where we know exactly where you can find a Pikachu on Pokemon Go, but we're not going to tell you. I'm joined by a couple of people for this July, middle of July episode. Alex Kirster is here. Alex, have you caught a Pikachu yet in Pokemon Go? I have yet to play, although I've heard uh, I've heard really good things about the game. I'm going to have to get there at some point. It's 1998 all over again. You think about it. Pokemon... It's a Pikachu is, boy when I was growing it, up, for sure. Yeah, Pokemon is an international sensation. There's a Clinton involved in a major scandal. The economy, Dow Jones is at its highest rate ever. Blink-182 has a very, very good-selling album, even though it's terrible. It's 1998! It's amazing! It means the Jaguars are going to be good again this fall. I'm very excited. That's a lot of, that's a lot of fun to think about for once. And we also have Ryan Connors, who is here, who recently turned 21. Ryan, I'm sorry to tell you, it's all downhill from here. Well, I'm sorry to tell you that I actually turned 22. 22? So, oh, you're right. Uh, that is yeah. Great. You see, even so I'm, I'm already, I'm already down the hill, man. Oh, you are already down the hill. Oh, you see, I'm, oh, yeah. I'm going to turn 23 in less than in about a month, and I'm already way down the hill. So there, you see how this works? We all go crazy. Oh, during, we all go crazy during the month of July. That's how this happens. Despite that, despite this being a month where usually nothing happens much in the way of college sports. Things have been happening, and Alex took a trip out to Oregon for something that I don't really know what it is, so I'm going to have him explain it. And it has a Maryland connection. Trust me, that's why we're going to talk about it. So, Alex, what were you in Oregon for? Uh, I went to Oregon for SB Nation for the opening, uh, which is the Nike-sponsored showcase for the uh, top high school football players in the country uh, in the 2017 class, so the kids will be signing with colleges uh, this upcoming February. And uh, it was interesting. There were a number of Maryland targets there, and uh, we'll have a number of things on those guys uh, going out. We've already done a few this week on Chase Young and Anthony McFarland. Uh, we'll have a bit more on, on them and others uh, in the weeks to come, kind of plotting out how we want to do that. But uh, there were there were a couple of really big-time Maryland targets. So there was McFarland and Young, who are teammates at DeMatha. Uh, Young, you know, arguably the best defensive end in the country, depending on who you talk to uh, and, and whose ratings you believe. Uh, and uh, also Joshua Paschal, uh, who is a, a defensive end at Good Counsel, where Stefan Diggs went, and, and not far from College Park either. So a few a few Maryland guys there who uh, are pretty important to the Terps right now, and it was a good experience. It was cool. So that, did you see any prospects that already did commit to Maryland? I think there were at least one. Uh, Josh Kando was there. Josh Kando um, was there. Yeah. So talk to him, to him well. about – talk to us about Josh Kando because, again, it's a big name. But recruiting yeah. big names is, is one thing. You actually have now seen him in drills and whatnot, as opposed to YouTube highlight tape, which makes everybody look good. So what was he like? Uh, well, the, actually, it's funny. We didn't have a great view of the line drills. Uh, it was not a great media setup at the event. Uh, I did watch him a little bit. Uh, the, the most compelling thing I can tell you about Josh Kando, having talked to him uh, and talked to, to members of his family, uh, I don't think, uh, and I know that we're, we're a long way off, but I don't really see Maryland... Uh, losing him. I don't think he's going to flip uh, to some other school. I'm not sure if he'll he'll ultimately wind up taking any official visits or not uh, during the year, but I think Maryland uh, is in pretty good position to keep him. I, I, I get the sense that his mother, um, Diane, who's very nice, is uh, pretty 
pretty well said on on Josh coming to Maryland. I mean, a the whole man man of your word thing, and b just that you know the the Kandos are from Maryland. Um, so that was kind of the the most viable takeaway I got um, on the Josh Kando front. You know, I really don't expect him, and, and this could change. Um, We've know, learned that this stuff could change recently, haven't we? I mean, absolutely. But mm-hmm. I, I think right now, I, I really do think Maryland is in pretty good position to hold him, um, even, you know, regardless of what goes on on the field in 2016. So what we did, so what else you saw there, you know, there's a lot of big names at the opening, of course, because it's a huge Nike event. Nike is one of the big three in college football. So who else did you see? You talked about a little bit, I guess, about some of the bigger Maryland targets. Uh, is there anybody else that Maryland's has their eye on that caught your eye? I mean, Maryland and every other school in the country have their eye on, you know, a lot of these guys. Uh, I mean, you know, all the five stars are here. Uh, and, and a lot of the four-star players are here as well. Um, uh, in terms of the guys Maryland actually has, you know, a seemingly legitimate chance with. I mean, I think, you know, it's 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 Kendo who's committed, uh, McFarland, Young, and, and Joshua Pascal. Um, I'm not sure how much else there is there that Maryland really is going to be too involved with, just because it's so difficult. Um, these players are so in demand by programs that are uh, in a better recruiting position than Maryland is. Um, but there were some great players that I really enjoyed watching. Uh, a number of the Alabama commits. Oklahoma had a great contingent there. Georgia, uh, Michigan did as well. I mean, you know, a lot of guys you're going to see playing against Maryland. Um, but yeah, Maryland just had, you know, probably probably roughly those four guys uh, who, if they could wind up with two or three of them, they'd be pretty pleased. Do we play Oklahoma or Alabama in the future? I'd like to see this play Oklahoma and Alabama in the future, but I don't think they're on the schedule. Texas well, you would is. want that. Well, because then that means they're playing them in a big game. Uh, or they? I don't well, know. I think necessarily it's, mean that, right? I mean, they could play them kind of anytime. Yeah, they, I, they could play the anytime. I, I, I wouldn't presume that it would be in the in the college football playoff. Uh, just that joke was confused. But Maryland did get a commitment from a recruit, a cornerback recruit, Ryan, that we should talk about. He was originally yeah. slated of going to Clemson, and now he's going to Maryland. He is from Maryland, so that's another one of the DMV to UMD things. So talk to us about this recruit. And again, you don't expect recruiting news to come down in the middle of July, but this is the new Maryland and we get recruiting news practically every day. Well, yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, I think you kind of, you can get, I think any Maryland football team has probably gotten recruiting news in July, but, um, it's never felt as big as this. It's never felt as big as this though. This is, I mean, the momentum Maryland has in the recruiting game is obviously, it's probably never felt like this, but, um, Deion Jones was pretty. He was pretty big because he was. Uh, so he's a four-star corner out of Potomac, Maryland, and he is six-one, one-eighty, which puts him at a good position to, to defend some of these bigger, some of the bigger receivers in the Big Ten. But uh, corner was especially a position that Maryland really needed because with Will Likely leaving this season, all of a sudden you're looking at like a total lack of experience in the secondary because you're going to have three new starters this year. Uh, so they'll all at least have one year of experience go- going into 2017 when, G- when Deion Jones, get- Jones gets there. But um, they didn't have any – he's going to be probably the highest-rated recruit um, in the defensive backfield, I think, once Will Likely leaves. So he's like – he's a very big – addition for maryland really alex because we we know that the secondary is going to be one of those areas of big concern outside of likely this year and then yeah i actually watched deon jones uh at the opening regional camp which was kind of the 
the feeder camp going into this event uh, last weekend. And I was shocked that he didn't get an invitation uh, to the, the big event in Oregon that I was just at. I thought he was uh, the best defensive back there by a mile. Uh, they only wound up taking three kids from from the D.C. regional, but I thought he was great. I mean, he's, he's so athletic. Uh, he's got pretty decent size. I'm not sure, uh, you know, recruiting heights are always, uh, of course, something you should be be very skeptical of. But he's listed at six one, which is really solid size uh, for a cornerback, and he's and he's just built like a rock. Um, so I think he's I think he's going to be great. He's rated the number twelve corner in the country, uh, and there are a lot of great corners right now. So that's that's you know. Yeah, that's probably even better than it sounds like. Cause I think this is a really amazing year for cornerbacks, but uh, he is, he is great. And I think he's going to be one of the best players Maryland has gotten uh, in its secondary in a long time, probably their best cornerback recruit uh, since will likely, I mean, certainly since will likely and conceivably even before that, I don't know how, how long you'd have to go back. Cause Maryland hasn't had a lot of true lockdown cornerbacks, uh, but I think he'll be one of them. Well, Especially likely. since, uh, or sorry, not just like, and Will Likely was a little bit under recruited, right? I mean, he you're not going to see a lot of because guys. He's five seven or five eight. Right, right, fair, but also but, uh, you know, uh, give you credit know. to Randy Edsel. That was a great recruiting job that Maryland did uh, to to take somebody who the big schools in the SEC didn't want just because he was short. Yep, Deion Jones has no such problems. Uh, that's that's a, well, again, Cliff Clemson's recruiting him. Then there are those issues. I think Will Likely was a three star, wasn't he? I believe so. Yeah. Star, but yeah, it was something along those lines. So, getting off of the recruiting conversation and into a bigger conversation about this upcoming season. I know it's July, and we're going to have many, many preview things, as you've already seen on the website, coming up as we get closer to the season. But the great Bill Conley of SB Nation was posting a preview, an analytics in-depth preview of Maryland's season to come, and also asked on Twitter a great question, which I don't think we've actually gone into on this show before, which is. Who is the sleeping giant in college football? And one of the big answers was Maryland, thankfully. That's a great thing to hear because Maryland was the sleeping giant at nothing before and is usually a football afterthought. But now, because of Under Armour money, because of DJ Durkin, because of the brand-new Cole Fieldhouse, they are considered by many to be a sleeping giant. Now, unfortunately, you have to get through four actual giants in the Big Ten East before you can be a true giant yourself. But I guess I should ask Alex on this question, now that we've been around this program for long enough to get a really good feel about it, is it as it's now constructed actually a sleeping giant, or is that just everybody's intoxicated by Under Armour money? I mean, I, I think I think Maryland is a sleeping giant. Now, the, the thing is, some giants never wake up. Uh, uh-huh. you know, you, there, it's not necessarily the case that anyone will ever be able to unlock it. But I do think that Maryland, given its geography... Uh, given its impending facilities and given that it is in a good, uh, not great talent area, um, but a good one, I, I do think that there's, there's a lot of potential. I mean, most most states in the country do not have as many uh, blue-chip football players as, as Maryland, D.C. And, and Northern Virginia do. So I think there's a pretty good chance for Maryland, if they do it right, um, to be pretty good. Now, Giant actually could be a bit of hyperbole. I mean, they're never going to be. Uh, Maryland will never win another football national championship in all likelihood. I mean, th- things like that. We, but hey, I do think Maryland's hey, going to be a pretty hey, good hey, team hey, on hey, on the. Hey, hey, Leicester City won the Premier State League or, this year. Or on the, you know, an, an upper echelon, but not Alabama, not not Georgia SEC team. I mean, they could be uh, a team that finds its way to be be a top twenty five school. I mean, I think it's certainly possible. Leicester City won the Premier League this year. Anything is possible. Trust me. Iceland beating England doesn't count. I, probably not, to be honest. College football is the most the most static sport in in, in that we have. Yeah. But anyway, 
So <laughs> that that that's a, okay. We're not going to get into soccer related discussions because then we're going to get into promotion relegation stuff. And let's not do that for the sanity of me and everybody listening. Uh, Ryan, what do you think about this whole sleeping giant discussion with regards to Maryland? Uh, I mean, I'm sure it's a conversation that, you know, we've always been having about Maryland because they've always had the good talent pool around them. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think they definitely seem like a sleeping giant now, but it's a lot easier to seem like a sleeping giant in the summer when you're not playing any football games. Um, you might seem a little less like a sleeping giant when you're like, you know, when you're finishing the season, um, even if you're, you know, whatever Maryland finishes up at. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Sleeping Giant could be, you know, you obviously understand why people say it. Like, it's it's mostly because of the Giant recruiting base. Or, you know, Giant and Giant is actually... it's more because of the Under Armour money now. I, mean, I, you, I was actually, I, I edited uh, that story and put the headline on it um, after a suggestion. I, I, I full-heartedly believe that the term is appropriate. It, you know, it just depends on kind of what you view as, uh, what you view as... as what a sleeping giant should ultimately be. Can it right. stay asleep? You know, does it have to wake up to ever be a sleeping giant? We're getting into some pretty meta stuff at this point. But, uh, <laughs> has it, has I, I, do, I do think there's some upside at Maryland that a lot of programs in the Terps present state don't have. Have right. we ever had this sort of meta discussion about Maryland football ever before? I'm sure. Somebody <laughs> must have had it in the past, but it feels like we've never had it. So getting on to that story, Alex, which I read, and it's very, very good. Uh, there's a lot in there, of course. There's a lot of numbers. There's a lot of stuff that could go over a lot of people's heads. I like analytics, so fortunately, you can go in and get really in-depth and get really crazy with all of these numbers that are presented. But there's a lot of things that I think we've talked about before that Bill went in on a bit more. He talked about the positions that Maryland's going to struggle in. We've talked about the secondary having some issues. We talked about losing three starters on the offensive line, but we also talked about insane amounts of young talent, particularly in the wide receiving core. You know, there's potential at the backfield. But I think what he was starting to say, Bill was at least, was there's a pretty good chance that Maryland starts out really well. Now, it could be fool's gold because not playing anybody. But the chance with all of this recruiting momentum and starting out 3-4-0, and which is a decent shout, that would be really, really something to watch. Again, all things considered, they're not beating anybody, but starting out 4-0 in any football season is impressive when you only play 12 games. Yeah, I think they have a good chance at it, and I do, I do think that you could see, you know, if that happens, uh, a bit of a, a midseason bump. I mean, during the season uh, isn't the, the hottest time there is for, for commitments. I mean, a lot of them happen uh, in the summer and then in the run-up after the season before National Signing Day. But I think... Uh, We've talked about this. I mean, just kind of given the caliber of the opponents, I think there's a pretty legitimate chance. Uh, Bill's uh, Bill Connolly's S and P model has it at about a 35 percent chance that they get to four and zero, and I think that's pretty reasonable. Um, it'd be pretty surprising if they weren't at least three and one, which they never got to last year. No. Uh, so yeah, I mean, there's there's a good chance uh, that Maryland looks pretty good, no matter how good it actually is uh, after a couple of weeks, because as bad as they were last year, and as bad as they could be this year, I mean, we don't know yet. Uh, Florida International, Purdue, UCF. I mean, they're all worse. And, and a deep Howard is an FCS, FCS school. school. So, yes. There should be some wins on the table, no doubt. There's also a chance, I mean, even if you exclude the Penn State game, there's a chance that they start 5-1, and one, depending on what you think of Minnesota. And this is, of course, before the murderer's row comes in when Maryland will probably lose most every game they play from then on in, maybe except Indiana and Rutgers. 
But There's six starting, of its last seven or five what? of its last. I mean, it's, it probably will. I mean, it'd be pretty. Yeah, I think we. That's, if they that's beat one of, the way, of those the teams, if they beat one of the Penn State at all this year, you could color it a huge surprise, and you should probably throw a party. But I don't think that's bad. Let's say for a minute that they do get to four zero, and then they go to Happy Valley and play Penn State. If lightning strikes and there's a miracle and they go in and win, then you're suddenly five and zero, looking at potentially six and zero before the brutal stuff happens, and then. I mean, if you're 6-0 and you've beaten Penn State, again, there might be a 2% chance of this happening, Ryan, but if it happens, look at where the program is suddenly. A 3-9 and season, they hire an up-and-coming coach, they have a lot of recruiting momentum, and then you start 6-0 and beat the guys who are directly competing with you for most of your prospects. How about that for a start in your first season for DJ Durkin? I mean, that would obviously be tremendous. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, as far as a recruiting start... You know, I haven't really been following football recruiting for that long. I don't think, as Alex said, like, you know, during the season, right then, there isn't exactly the time where most recruits are going to be committing. So, that, I mean, starting a hypothetical 6-0 and start, I think, could, you know, that would obviously still look very good in the eyes of a recruit. But then if they're not recruited, if they're not committing till the end of the season, then I think that uh, might not matter as much. Well, we, we had seen how much it meant to the team two years ago to beat Penn State, even when there wasn't a rivalry, and then Stefan Diggs, what he did, which was amazing, and I will still remember that for the rest of my life. But if you even, it doesn't really matter. If you start 5-1, and one, that's still pretty impressive either way, whether you beat Penn State or not. And then you do beat Penn State. That's recruiting momentum because those rivalry games mean more than just fans gloating at each other. There is tangible recruiting evidence, and... We know James Franklin is recruiting and competing on the same grounds and in the same areas that DJ Durkin is. And if DJ Durkin could say, hey, we beat those guys. We beat those well, guys two out of three years. And we beat them in their barn twice. That's I mean, something. I think I think if, uh, if Penn State, if Maryland beats Penn State, which I don't think they will, then DJ Durkin's not really going to be recruiting against James Franklin anyway. Well, that's true. Because James Franklin's probably going to get the axe. But yeah. If he, I don't think he's getting fired if he loses to Maryland. I would. There are other factors at play, but you know, you know what I mean. So Alex, it could contribute to that kind of season, but yeah. Oh, it could, it could. But Alex, is there anything else from the Bill Connolly piece that you want to spend some more time talking about? Because again, there's a lot in there, so there's a lot to digest. But is there anything you edited it? So I think you're pretty familiar with it. Is there anything else that you want to spend some time on? Uh, no, I mean I think we covered it pretty well there. In general, I definitely urge people to read it. Uh, Nobody covers college football more uh, comprehensively or informatively, in my opinion, than Bill. Um, so when he takes uh, one 128th of his college football preview uh, to focus on Maryland, it's definitely worth watching. It is worth reading. Reading and watching. Who knows? You could put it up on your big screen and read it that way. Technology is amazing now. Uh, there is some basketball news that we should get to, and this is... I think the impetus for the podcast, at least from my perspective, Juan Dixon is is leaving the program now. It kind of came out of the blue, and Alex, we reported on this before, so I want you to say what you have to say on it. There isn't really much to say on the whole front, but because it's Juan Dixon, it's a little bit bigger than if the equivalent man who did not go to Maryland was the impetus and catalyst for winning a national championship left the program. So explain what happened. I know there isn't much to say, but explain what happened and what the – sort of the next steps are for him and the program uh yeah so Juan Dixon uh is is no longer uh Mark Turgeon's so-called special assistant 
Uh, he will be uh, no longer with Maryland at all. Uh, I think the genesis for this was that Dixon is, uh, you know, he didn't have that, uh, that in terms of scope, didn't have that big of a role. Uh, and he wanted to be, you know, a full-fledged assistant coach who can recruit, who can work out players and can, can really kind of have both feet in the pool. Uh, I got a call uh, on Monday morning from, from somebody at Maryland. Um, not Monday morning. It must have been, who knows, whatever, whatever the a day was. A couple Monday that, that mornings ago, it. maybe. Who knows? I, I just think of it in that light. Uh, well, I think it might have been Wednesday or maybe Tuesday, but who knows? Anyway, actually, I think it was last last Wednesday, eight days Days ago. blend together uh, in but, July, don't they? Yeah, I'm sorry for taking everyone listening on, on that ride, but uh, <laughs> oh, God. You know, that, that I got a call that that, that was kind of from someone at Maryland that that was the reason for the move. Um, typically, when when someone calls calls you to kind of get out in front of something like that, you you know you kind of are a little skeptical. Um, I looked into it a little bit more, and I don't really have anything other than that. I mean, I think that's just about what happened. Uh, was that Dixon wanted wanted more than Maryland was able to give him? Uh, remember, Maryland has three full time assistants uh, with Dustin Clark, Bino Ranson, and Cliff Warren. And uh, they're going to director of basketball in it for a while, and, and there was really no room for one Dixon to to become anything more here. So. Uh, he won't be anything. He'll be gone and uh, looking for for a full time job elsewhere. And Maryland has a director of basketball op basketball ops too. I can't speak Absolutely. tonight. Yeah. Jesus, that's all very very bad. Okay, so that's the end of the Juan Dixon story. But if something like this had happened with many other coaches, it wouldn't have really been news. It would have been a thing. It would have been a post, and that would have been it. But because it's Juan Dixon, we have to talk about this a little bit more. And one of Maryland's prized recruits for next year, Kevin Horder. Have we agreed on a pronunciation for that yet, or have I missed it? Uh, Her- Herder is always the way I figured it was pronounced. Herder. Yeah, that's okay. correct. Kevin Herder is now going to play with Mark Turgeon for the USA's U18 basketball team at some tournament that I don't know what tournament. What tournament is it? I saw this story and completely ignored what tournament they're going to be playing in. 18. Uh, I, it's in Chile. It's in Chile. I, that's very exciting. Uh but yeah, it's uh, it's it's in I believe Chile. Um, That's a good country. Have that, do I have America. that correct? Uh, you you do. Yeah, that is correct. Trojan is on the yes. on the staff. Um, the it is the uh, U U eighteen or U nineteen. It's the U eighteen World Champions World Championship, I believe. Okay. Yes, that sounds that sounds exactly right. So and it, and it is in Chile. So yes, Herder yeah. is on the team, and Mark Turgeon is on the coaching staff. So that's always good. We saw this last year when he was coaching with the Pan Am team. So these things these things happen in July when college basketball coaches need something to do, right? Well, I think it's it's probably there's there's two elements of it. One is uh, it is pretty good for recruiting to work with Team USA, and the other might be uh, well, two more even you know a love of basketball and uh, even maybe a, a little tinge of patriotism in there too. Oh, to patriotism is always great. Have you not seen what people will do for their country recently? <laughs> Let's not even go there. Bunch of sad yeah. French people at the Stade de France. That was that was something. Anyway, more more soccer related things that not that only I really care. It's it's it is what it is. So it was a short podcast, but it's the middle of July. We did get some news out, and that's always good, Alex. It was great to have you on again. It was great to find you on a went random. What is it, Thursday night in July? I can't remember what day it is anymore because it's the middle of July. I th- have I made it clear it's the middle of July yet? It is I think so. July, confirmed. Thank you. Thank you for helping me out there. So hopefully in the uh, 
future, we'll have another podcast down the line with some of those guests we had talked about before. Maybe it'll be Bill Connolly. Who knows? That would actually be really cool. We were talking about that pre-pod. That's a thing we should do. Alex, get Absolutely. on that. Absolutely. No question. Get on that. We could go more into the Maryland discussion, but more into the general college football discussion as well. See, Ryan, we'll it was it was good to have you on now that you've turned 22, and I completely butchered the intro, but that's okay. <laughs> I didn't turn 22, I don't it's think. It's okay. Al, uh, Ryan did. Alex Ryan did. turns 22 later this month. Fun yeah, fact. I always forget. Yeah, Ryan is a uh, fun the story he- for our listeners. I actually Ryan didn't know a, this. I didn't know that at all. Is a year behind me academically, but he is several weeks older than me. Yeah, you know, we don't need to talk about that. That's yeah, okay. we, ha- we, we have not discussed this publicly before. We don't need to discuss it's, publicly, but I always forget. I always try to, like, college. treat it was a like weird, younger. It was a weird revelation. He's older than me. It was a weird revelation for both of us. I'm That's exciting. I'm 23 <laughs> at the end of August, so and I was in Alex's. It doesn't make – cutoffs don't make sense is basically what we're telling all of you. So, anyway, I should have been the – it doesn't matter. So, again, thank you for listening, of course. Enjoy the July warmth and sunshine, or thunderstorms maybe, and we'll be back again with a new podcast very, very soon. But of course, until then, go Terps.